ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 440. My name is J.M. Clark, a.k.a. the Jedi Ross, Ross Jedi J, and it is so wonderful to be here with all you beautiful babies today. Thank you for coming out. Give yourself a round of applause for doing so on my behalf, because I so greatly appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, we can fade out now. That beautiful music you hear right there is my theme song uh, that was provided by a band called The Slackers. I don't know if anybody's familiar with them, but they are a 25-year-old ska rocksteady band out of New York City. And uh, they're my favorite band in the whole wide world. And I got to know them on tour, and I've had them on the show, and they were kind enough to grant me permission to use that song uh, as my theme song. It's called Ska Bohem, and it's by the Slackers. So I'd like to shout them out if you ever want to jump online and you like good like Motown, old school soul, you know, reggae and ska. This is the band for you, trust me. Um, So thank you to them. Uh, But yeah, this is an Elegant Weapon podcast. Uh, Just to fill you live folks in, I have been doing this show in Toronto for the past 12 years. We started in 2011. Uh, And basically during that time, I have been interviewing comic creators, uh, Star Wars alumni, uh, a lot of artistic professions. But those two are the main ones that we focused on over the years with me being a big Star Wars and comic book fan. Uh, I started out just coming to this show and interviewing people guerrilla style in Artist Sally uh, and just building up, you know, my listenership that way. Uh, got to build a little bit of a reputation as kind of the local platform for up and coming creators to get their voices out and talk about their Kickstarters and this, this and that. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I've tried to support the community that I love uh, and uh, have been lucky enough to become part of it over the years. And to have gone from a guerrilla style of podcasting where I'm just in the aisles, they would never give me a press pass. Uh, it was I could never get one for some reason. To now be sitting here with my show on the screen and these amazing professional guests uh, on stage in front of you is very surreal. It's very cool. It's been a 12-year journey to get here. Uh, so that's awesome. I don't know if you guys have been to any sketch duels over the weekend, but you, uh, if you have, you've probably seen my face because I'm hosting those throughout the weekend as well. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do is host sketch duels for fan expos across North America, get to meet all these c- cool creators and have all these fun conversations. Uh, so it's a blast. So because uh, of this kind of awesome moment, uh, I'm going to take those two things that I have focused on most over the years, Star Wars and comics and Star Wars and art, and apply that to this panel. So with that, let's get to our amazing guests. We have one guest that I know pretty well. We have another guest that I kind of know, know a little bit, and then I have another guest that I don't know at all. So it's going to be fun to get to know them in that way. Uh, on the end there is the one that I know a little bit. Um, you know, we've chatted over the years, but uh, not in any kind of long form. He is a longtime veteran of the comic book industry. He's worked on so many titles. There's too numerous to name, but I can name that he has worked on Star Wars. Mr. Leonard Kirk. <laughs> And next to him, this young rising talent I've gotten to know pretty good over the past few years. She's been on my show several times chatting about her amazing work. And she has all... It's been a long day. Uh, She has also become one of those working on Star Wars, Miss Megan Huang. And now the one I don't know at all, but I'm very, very privileged to have on the stage... uh, 
she's done a lot of stuff herself as well. Actually, a very uh, varied career. So it'll be interesting to talk about that. Uh, but one of those IPs that she is uh, responsible for is Star Wars. Miss Erin Leffler. Very cool. Thanks for being here, guys. It's a fun time. Uh, like I say, Aaron, uh, I am unfortunately not super familiar with you in your work. Why don't you enlighten us uh, with a little bit of what you do and how you got involved in the Star Wars universe? Absolutely. So I am a character designer by trade, but I also do a lot of illustration work. Um, I've done album artwork for musicians. I actually also host a show where I sit and talk with people around the entertainment industry and I draw them at the same time. So it's an educational show for kids and they also get to see the art process. Oh, that is cool. I think it's cool to have like a little piece of what you got to do for like a small, like half an hour. Oh, oh. I'm dropping things. This all is right. great. That's all right. <laughs> um, it's one of those things where it's like <laughs> educational for kids, but it ended up adults liking it more. But I've been drawing pretty much my entire life. My dad got me into Star Wars when I was three years old. He was very much the undercover nerd. Okay. Where nobody knew that he was a nerd because he didn't have any shirts or anything. But he's like, do you want to see one of my favorite things? And of okay. course, a tiny child's like, yeah, of course I do. Right. He didn't realize that I was going to take it and become so much more of a monster because I absolutely fell in love with Star Wars. And I wanted to be an artist, obviously, because I grew up on animation. I had family who had worked with um, with Walt Disney. So I knew what? like right off the bat, I was like, this, this is something I want to okay, do. You need to go into a little bit more detail <laughs> there. How'd your family work with Walt Disney? I was very fortunate to have a family member who was a dear friend of Walt's, and he actually would teach the incoming artist how to draw Mickey Mouse. Wow. So it was one of those very cool moments where it was like, I grew up with that. Every time I went to his house, it was like a museum because he had these pieces on the wall and everything. He was good friends with Charles Schultz. So like he had original pieces by Charles Schultz. And I just thought at the time, because I was a kid, I'm like, oh, he must just like art. So I ended up drawing him something and bringing it for him. And he's like, no, you need to keep up with this because you could do something with this someday. So I kind of always kept that in the back of my mind after he had passed away. And then as I got into my teenage years, my parents would kind of like show my stuff to artists that they'd found, whether it be in Disney World, because they would have a gallery in the front of Epcot where they would have live artists sitting and actually just drawing during the whole time the wow. park was open. And once my parents like, they had the crummy flip phones where they were showing like these terrible grainy photos, but these artists gave them like such a glowing thing. They're like, no, you need to stoke this because that's how we get people in this industry. Awesome. I was very, very lucky because it's not a lot support. of people do have yeah. that support from their parents. So I had two wonderful human beings as my parents who wow. just go and they have been supportive of me ever since I was a little kid. And I'm like, I... I owe everything to them that because goes so of that. Far, I, I right? really do owe everything to them because of that. Because it, if you don't have some supportive system with you, you're yeah. not going to get anywhere with it. You believe them. in yourself so much more, you're going to get so much Especially further. when it's your parents because they're your first kind of like foray into the world. They're the first right. people you know outside of yourself as a person. So I'm very grateful for that because I remember I graduated high school when I was 16. Oh, wow. And I remember sitting in the car with Smarty my dad. Pants. <laughs> I remember, yeah, my dad thought it would have been a good idea because my sister ended up in the medical field. He's like, maybe you should do what your sister did. And I'm like, <laughs> um, I was almost full on in tears in that car. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I like drawing and I think I can do something. My dad's like, please don't cry. We'll figure out something. 
And I started getting to meet these artists because he would take me to different places that these artists would be. And they were very kind and took me under their wing. And I started some schooling, but the professor was not a nice man. Um, very much made my mental health completely decline within the first four months I was there because he's like, yeah, the type of art you do, you're not going to get anywhere with this. The only valid art is if you can do like realism and likeness. And I think there's a way you can do likeness and animation, but ironically, during the pandemic, I got asked to go and lecture a class at that same school. And oh, I'm like, cool. I'm like, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you, is this professor still there? And the guy's like, no, why? I'm like, that's the guy who made me drop out of this school. That's, that feels good. It was that's, one of those funny, come around, right? it's kind of a very funny come around, but I, after I started doing stuff on my own, because I started taking freelance stuff very young in the industry i found some wonderful artists who kind of took me under their wing and encouraged me to start like showing my work off at shows and everything like that and i was very socially anxious at the time so i was like i'm not gonna do that um and lo and behold i finally figured out <laughs> i waited several years and waited until like 2017 to get an instagram <laughs> which oh, i'm like geez. i'm like oh that been my best move but somebody must have seen it that was working with star wars at the time and i got a wonderful email and they're like we would love to have you come on so this i'm very young end at this point brand brand new adult and i'm like okay i'm like this is cool and i remember wow. showing it to my dad and my dad <laughs> my dad is the ever-loving skeptic as i like to call it because he looked at the email and he's like yeah this doesn't this seems too good to be true so <laughs> I'll see it. Like, if it actually shows up, I'll believe it when I see it. And I got this packet of papers sent to my house of NDAs I had to sign and then mail back. And I took it to him the next time I saw him and I plopped it in front of him. I'm like, do you believe me now? And he's like, I believe you. He's like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I'm like, so that was kind of like the first big moment when it came to my work and I was very lucky because wow. they had hired me right before um, Last Jedi came out and they were looking for art to put on the red carpet because they had done a thing with Tumblr to get some artists so that's from the there. initial thing they were looking for. My boss last second she's like we need a we need a couple extra ones can you send because I know you're a fan and you have stuff outside of work can you please send me one so I was very lucky that I had friends that were watching the premiere and they're like your work is behind behind John Boyega right now and I'm like I'm sorry, what? That's all right. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. yeah. So very much my first year working with them was super exciting. So I tell everyone, I'm like, I'm first and foremost a nerd. I yeah. I draw, but I am a nerd. I'm like, I love Star Wars more than anything. So it was like one of those weird moments where you're like, oh, I'm actually doing this now as a job. So I got to work with them for three years doing like box art and sketch art and everything. And it was so much fun. That's amazing. I will say, though, I am very happy to be doing freelance now, though, because I feel like I have a lot more control with it. And I can do a lot more Star Wars IP that I didn't get to in the past. Right, right. Well, you're young. I mean, there's so much stuff. To Two and a half decades of life on this earth. And I'm like, I still got so much I can work on ahead yeah. of me. Yeah. So you were a prequel kid then. When, yeah, that was your first Very exposure. much. My yeah. first, well, my first exposure was Return of the Jedi because that okay. was one of my dad's favorites. And my dad would always call me his little Ewok when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I'm very biased to that, but I am forever and always a prequels kid. That is too cool. That is that is a great origin story. That's, <laughs> it's a very a bizarre a one. a Wars origin story. It's a neat way for it to come <laughs> around, though. Uh, Megan, yeah. well, over here, who I know pretty good. 
uh, again, has been lovely to come on my show several times. We've chatted at several conventions, and it's been so Wait, cool. I've been on your show. I know. You never seem to remember <laughs> no, either. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, like That's four okay. times. That's okay. start blending in, right? I, I don't even... I, I don't even remember getting asked at any of these calls. I don't know. It's okay. Sorry. I'll send you the links. You can check them out later. <laughs> okay. We've okay. never actually done like a sit down like studio one, but you, we've done like a convention okay. interviews like several times. You're always saying to me, "Oh, you." you well, we, that's what I'm saying. We still need to sit down and do oh. this. <laughs> but we're doing it. I know, which is okay. finally <laughs> we're doing we're it. Finally yeah. doing it now. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, Megan's a fellow Mississauga girl, and it's been very cool to watch her uh, up and coming rise. Uh, tell us a little bit about your origin and how you got involved with the Star Wars universe, Megan. Well, I can't compete. Um, you know, I my origin is pretty. Basic. There is no competition. Every origin story <laughs> is a cool origin story. Okay. <laughs> well, um, so I guess we'll go back like you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I dropped out of school too. Um, it seems to be a trend. I don't recommend, I don't recommend it for everyone, you know, uh, but I dropped out, um, uh, because I actually, I didn't like the teachers either. I didn't like yeah, and they weren't, like, teaching me what I felt like I needed to be learning. And it's kind of true. Um, cause, and then I started to freelance after that. Um, and at first, my parents did not were, like, really against it. They were like, what? Don't drop out. And, you know, so it's very different. Um, and then, yeah, I um, went... And started to freelance, and they got over it. <laughs> and and then, then they started to believe in me a little bit more because they saw I was getting interest from publishers and, and writers and uh, even fellow artists who were willing to take a look. Leonard, you look at my work before? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like a while, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it didn't you. suck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, and then from there, you know, I... I uh, I worked more with Dark Horse, um, and then my editor said that they were getting like Dark Horse back. I was not Star Wars back um, at Dark Horse, and um, introduced me to the the new editor on the uh, Hyperspace Stories series. Um, and then, yeah, I, I started to work on that as like. And I, I don't. I feel like they didn't really know what they want. They wanted like I was doing line art at first, and then they wanted me to do full colors, and then yeah, they wanted me to do the cover as well. And now they don't want me to do the covers, and it's 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 been a whole weird little Lucasfilm mess. But it's 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 still very fun and enjoyable, and I I can appreciate their weird mindsets. I, I like it. I I like it because I'm weird too. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, and the, yeah, so I've been working on hyperspace stories. I just drew an issue, um, and I don't know if I'm going to do more, but the editors like me, so probably, maybe, I don't know. I'm feeling more will come along, <laughs> for sure. And I know how much you love these characters, because yeah. you are drawing them so often just on your own, like a lot of just your own personal yeah. exercise work is... Oh, yeah. It's constantly Ahsoka. Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. A lot of Ahsoka, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not just because of the show, but like 
you yeah. know, since forever. When um, did your personal love of Star Wars start? When? How old were you? When were you introduced goodness. to it? Pretty young. I don't even remember. Uh, I do remember going to Disney World, though, and being really, like, before they had Galaxy's Edge. Um, so it was, like, what's the shopping area? The, the like, the... Oh, the little area in the back of Hollywood Studios? I don't know. Like, the... Oh, the downtown whole, Disney. Yeah, downtown Disney. Yeah. I went there. See, I would knew you would know. Um, <laughs> I, I went there, and um, and I think they still have it because I went in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen before the pandemic started, and they they still have it. The same like a little booth thing where you can build like um, cheaper looking like lightsabers. So I built a Darth Maul one um, when I was like, ten at Disney. And Which does the dark side really early? Yeah, yeah, I did. I thought he was okay. He was the coolest. He was the coolest. I did. He was my favorite, like, bad guy. And I think at that point, before like the Clone Wars came out, like, uh, like Obi was my favorite good guy. Um, but yeah, I like I loved I loved Maul. Like, he was like a fart. He was silent but deadly at that point. <laughs> Yeah, it was before, before, like, again, the Clone Wars, so he didn't really do much talking. And that fight scene with the the music and all. It's the best one there is. It's the single greatest lightsaber duel, and I'm sorry. You can't tell me there's another, because it's not overblown with flashes. It's not overblown with quick cuts and edits. They actually just film the ballet and the choreography of the scene, and they they let it speak for itself. Well, it's also the first time you saw Jedi's actually kick ass right i mean you saw some fights here and there and yes between luke and uh vader in uh uh return of the jedi yeah he did some flips and jumps and looked pretty good but this one it's like oh okay now i can see why the jedi were considered so fierce and whatever i guess i didn't really get that impression before that film yeah absolutely of course the rest of the movie (laughs) (laughs) it had its moments it had its moments yeah yeah it did but yeah Phantom Menace, that's, yeah. Like, yeah. I liked, I, I, yeah, I was like a prequel baby as well. So I, I got into those and. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your Rangers of the Divide, it's mm. a fantastic series. That's Megan's own creator own series. And there's, there's a, a lot of Star Wars influence in that book. I mean, not like where you're looking to be like Star Wars, yeah. but just <laughs> you can tell that Star Wars helped you to. You have a vast imagination. Like the fantasy yeah. world that is in your head is I feel you can that, feel yeah. how expansive it is. I feel that. Like I, I could see what you're saying. Yeah. Like it's like um Star Wars is basically like a fantasy but in a different galaxy kind of yeah. movie. Um and that's kind of I guess you could say that about Rangers kind of. Fantasy in a different galaxy or world or something. Yeah. So I see that, yeah. It's a very weird and unique series unto its own, and I highly recommend you guys all check it out. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Kirk, yeah. to have been working on comics for so long and have touched so many amazing titles, and I'm pretty sure you were a Star Wars fan before you got to work on Star Wars. Oh, yeah. So what's it like when it finally gets to the point after all this work? Here's some <laughs> Star Wars, Leonard. Yeah, well, for me... My Star Wars origin was uh, Mark Panisha was the head editor for the Star Wars stuff at Marvel. And he gave me a call, or actually, no, it was an email. 
sent me an email and said, hey, uh, do you want to do Star Wars? This issue's coming up. And I said, yeah, okay. And then that was it. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, but I mean, how long it took, how many years to build a career well, to get to that point the other where point, that was yeah. a possibility? I'd already been working in right. comics for well over 20 years when that happened. So, right. Um, plus, Mark was one of my first editors when I got started, like back in the 90s. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we'd known each other for quite a while, and he wound up cluing me into a number of gigs here and there just because he, he liked working with me. So, that was it. And when he got his hands on Star Wars, we did that. I had already worked with him before on Star Trek on Deep Space Nine back in the 90s. And uh, so he knew I could handle things like likenesses and whatnot and said, you know, that was really kind of the main thing. Make sure that everybody looks like everybody, or at least as close as you can get. <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was, it, it blew me away. It was, it was absolutely, I mean, I kind of go, mm, whatever, but no, seriously, on the inside, I was definitely doing jumping jacks. You must have been excited. Because that's yeah. the only, well, being 56, that's the only way I can do jumping jacks. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was absolutely thrilled to get that. And then, of course, going through the process of, oh, crap, am I doing it right? Uh, even after this many years working at it, uh, you know, you still get nervous. Am I getting this part correct? Am I getting this correct? And I was very, very pleased, very happy, uh, relieved that uh, I rarely got any notes from Disney or anything. They said, yeah, this is good. I'm like, great. <laughs> and just, yeah, yeah. just try to keep doing that. But uh, yeah, it was fantastic. That's cool. You must be, I can't think of another artist who's done Star Wars and Star Trek. Oh, I'm sure they're out what? there. You did both? Oh, that's yeah. right. She's working on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, what am I missing? Fill us in. Wait, I have a Star Trek cover for um oh man what's it uh picard's academy yeah oh okay yeah, actually i when leonard was talking i realized that dark horse did not give me my first star wars um it was all thanks to heather antos who is like my best friend mm. she's not, a not dear my, friend of not, mine not my best friend <laughs> okay. heather is everybody's dear friend go on we just did a yes we all we love heather we just did a collab do you want to yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> I don't okay, know. so Heather Antos, for all of you who may be familiar, is an editor in the industry. We used to work for Marvel, uh, and now is currently working for Dark Horse. And uh, yeah, so she has been the result of a lot of people doing a lot of cool things. She came up yesterday. We were talking. Who was it that just uh, Heather answered their tweet? Somebody was like, "I want to do a Star Wars cover," and Heather was like, "Okay." Yeah, it wasn't me. I don't recall who it was. It was uh, Mike Feehan, I yeah. think. And it wasn't Star Wars. It was Star Trek. Yeah. Okay, it was Mike Feehan yesterday mm -hmm. uh, on a sketch duel, and that's what happened. I he don't recall that, what. And it was like, I, okay. I, yeah, she started at Marvel. I don't know what, but I'm pretty sure I worked with her on something before she went to IDW. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she did a ton of stuff over there. Yeah. And now she's heading up all the Star mm -hmm. Trek stuff. Yeah. I really, I originally met Heather through Jay Fosgett. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. at a tiny little show in Philly a bunch of years back and she was just there helping him out mm. and now to see where she's gotten to is just amazing it's I make the joke that they good. made the worst mistake putting Heather and I next to each other last year because we had done several of the Fan Expo shows down in the United States uh oh and they realized very quickly, they're like, oh, these two get along too well. We're going to just keep them next to each other for the entirety of the year. <laughs> well, that's one cool thing about going to all the expos because, you know, you see uh, Kevin Boyd. He's the uh, comics lead and he organizes, you know, where everybody sits. 
and you you see a pattern start to emerge as he can be like they really like each other they really like each other and you can kind of go down if you go down artist alley and like see every like second or third artist most likely they're sitting beside somebody they really get along with because it makes the show fun and you know it makes things easier for everybody and everybody has a blast so it's cool that it can be organized that way um, were any of you into the original Dark Horse comics, the now Legends stuff? Were you guys fans at all? Some of them, yeah. I, I didn't really follow a heck of a lot of them. I followed some of the... When I was much younger, I followed some of the novels, like, uh, of course, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I remember right. reading that when I was very young. Um, I did follow some of the uh, some of the comics. I remember reading some of the first stories with... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Shran. And, uh, of course, uh, um, uh, Chris Sprouse's work on Splinter of the Mind's Eye, the adaptation that Dark Horse did. And so, yeah, some of that was really awesome. I, I, lo- I remember some of the work that there were artists associated with Star Wars back then that, sadly, I don't know that they would be put on Star Wars today. You had artists like Cam Kennedy. I remember some of the work that he, which was just gorgeous. It was obviously not just drawn, but also it must have been hand painted. This was before they were doing computer coloring. And these images were just absolutely stunning, but definitely not typical comic book fare, but it just, and not even typical Star Wars fare, but it looked great. So yeah, I didn't follow everything, but I did pick up a few now and then, and they were they were awesome. Yeah, it was amazing stuff. You guys were you guys were fans or read any of the old Dark Horse stuff? It's okay if you didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it goes back like 20 years. See, that's the thing. Okay, I was six years old when Return of the Jedi came out. Mm-hmm. And perfect age. That's what it was made for. I was for, 16. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you were close. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ewoks, all that, it was made for me. It was made for a <laughs> six-year-old in the 80s is what that movie was made for. So I fell in love with it. And I had a speeder bike and the whole thing. Um, and then I didn't. it didn't like hook me in like as if I was an original fan from the original movie where it so caught you. Kids in the 80s were like my age were very nostalgic about Star Wars because of Jedi, but we didn't have this like visceral, guttural connection to the very first one because it was so new and so exciting and this crazy new thing. So I, I feel like we all fall out of it. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you love comics and then you fall out of it when you're like 12 or 13 and then eventually you kind of fall back into it. I did that with Star Wars because of the comics and books. Hmm. So I was kind of a fan, loved Jedi growing up, and then really never thought about it. And then I read True Bakura, and I was like, oh, this is good. Well, this when you consider stuff. the gap between those first three right? and then the prequels, you really didn't have anything else Nothing. to do. Yeah. You know? So I think that's why there was so much ire in the fans when they took away all the legend stuff. is because that had been mm. all we had, right? Like, it, all we had. And we lived and breathed it like like crazy and that was our star wars and that's was how it continued and for them to all of a sudden be like nope it's not how it went down mm. it went down like this you know it's still hard to this day to like let yeah. go of some of the, to the point where even Floney knows and he's bringing in what he can back from from yeah. it right well honestly when i was younger i would have been a lot more ticked off with that than today today i would look at it and say they say this is no longer canon i'm just like why the hell should I care whether or not you consider this can? I just, yeah, yeah. You know, if I'm still yeah. enjoying this, I'm still, I don't care. I'll just, I'll, I'll read it. I'll watch it. I'll whatever. I'll have fun with it. You know, it does, none of that changes the feeling for me as I'm experiencing it again. You know, I mean, I've, we've gone through the same thing. I, I would say even more so 
uh, with Star Trek. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings here, but I am much more of a Star Trek person than Star Wars, but just barely. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, and that's just because I grew up with Star Trek well before Star Wars came out. You know, by the time it came out, I was 10. I'd already been watching Star Trek for years, um, but I still loved it. And uh, every now and then they talk about these things in the movies where this thing doesn't match up with this thing. And then, of course, J.J. Abrams came out with his versions of Star Trek. I have my you know bones to pick with some of the story choices in there. But by and large, you know, if I like it, I like it. Right. If it's something that's... You know, if I don't like it, I don't like it. That's it. For sure. You know? Yeah. I think that's what it is with me is like, it was. it's not the, it's the, it's the canon, but just those stories were just so good. Yeah. And I feel like to throw away 20 years of this amazing work by all these that, incredible creators, right? That was a flash that I had with, which one was it? Last year? No, it was The Rise of Skywalker where they had the flashback scene with Luke and Leia training. Right, right. Doing Jedi training. Which, by the way, I wish they'd carried that much further. The fact that she basically just gave up after that. To, that right. That brush. See, that's a thing I didn't like. But um, <laughs> um, but that moment right there, I'm suddenly having flashbacks to a mention of before Splinter of the Mind's Eye because Absolutely. Luke and Leia, yeah. they're out. Even they're the on suits an had an older yeah. like style that they were wearing. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Do you guys, as part of the younger Star Wars fan generation, do you think your generation cares way less about canon? Like Honestly, that I don't really think it's the canon. Because like I, when I was growing up, I loved the books. Like I wasn't as big into the Star Wars comics, but I loved the books. I think it's just more of like we grew up on it. So it's like, okay, we know certain things of it. But at the same point, I'm that, I'm that Star Wars nerd who's like, you like this thing? Cool. You like this thing? Really cool. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I just like Star Wars. It doesn't have to be canon or not. I'm like, yeah. if it's cool, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a stickler either. No. Not, no. 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 Yeah. That's awesome. I don't know why it was in us. I was like, I'm still. It's hard for me to like. I just like when things make sense. I don't know. It's like I try not to be like like, you know, care too much. It is just art and comics and you know yeah. things we're supposed to enjoy. But I don't know if it's me in particular, but I just I love can I just love when things fit and the Easter eggs and the tiny minute details well, is, is fun for me. Yeah, that's part though. I don't know if, if your perspective is anything similar, but that's part of what I I look at it also from a comic book perspective because I've also been a fan of comics as long as I've been a fan of Star Wars and Star Trek and all that all that stuff. And there are times where I. I, there are times where I enjoy the heck out of continuity. A lot of people think oh, that's very limiting and what have you. I haven't done very much writing, but what little I have done, I actually found continuity very freeing because it meant, okay, I, there's this, this, and this, and then how do I work the story around that? And I know I don't have to deal with those things because they're already there, so I don't have to make any of that up. But at the same time, reading some comics, I find, and some movies, uh, and some Star Wars stuff, I feel that there are times where they try to stick to the continuity a bit too hard and they c close themselves off from exploring a bunch of really a, a bunch of other stuff. This is an area where I had to admit that I've not signed up for Disney Plus yet. So I've actually not watched any of the Star Wars TV shows. Okay. And put away the pitchfork. And <laughs> um but but what I have seen of them, I look at this and I go this is kind of cool. I, I mean, some people might think, oh, goodness, you're just getting 
too much saturation. They feel the same way about the Marvel movies. But still, what I like about what they're doing with this is they're grabbing a lot of these characters that people have been very interested in and not very much has gone on with them and just gone, whoosh, here you go. Here's yeah. an entire series. Here's this. Here's this. And that to me is kind of cool. I feel that there are times, especially in comics, where if you stick way too close to continuity, this is one of the things that I feel a lot of books over the past decade or so have been crazy. Like, or even earlier than that, back when DC had those four Superman, four, four Superman titles yeah, running simultaneously. Right? Yeah. And then they had to balance one between the other. I used to draw the Supergirl series and there was something in one issue where Lois Lane was going to be interviewing Supergirl in this town. And then I get a, uh, a message from my editor saying, okay, we can't use Lois Lane because apparently during this particular point in time, she's in outer space. And I'm like, why can't this just be like one week before or one week after? Why can't right? you just do that? Like yeah. there's no, there's no calendar here. See, I was more <laughs> forgiving for comics and stuff. It was for some reason, it was only mm -hmm. Star Wars that really stuck with me that I, I got anal about. I don't mm -hmm. even know why. Now I've learned to really not care because I think what it was is, was I felt like it was a disrespect of everything that had come to just wipe it out. Mm. And now that they are showing it a little love and a little respect, it's much easier to take as a fan, you know, much easier to handle. But you're right, you can write yourself into a corner with continuity, you can open things up, it's, you I know. I think the good thing though yeah. now is there's people who are at the forefront of making things with Star Wars that respect the continuity, but are also willing to try to add some things mm -hmm. that are outside the box, which mm -hmm. I have to say, have to shout out the people who were working with sag and the Writers Guild because we would not have these things if it wasn't 100%. for them, and we love yeah. them for that. 100%. We love that strike yeah. right now. Absolutely. So honestly, when it comes to like, we have Dave Filoni and Deborah Cho at the, at the head right now, and they love Star Wars mm -hmm. because they've grown up on it like we've grown up on it, but they've also learned from the man who was the mastermind behind Star Wars, so they understand the continuity of it. But they're also like, okay, let's try these new little things to add to the continuity. Like, the entirety of Rebels was going towards the mystical side of mm -hmm. the Force that we had never seen before. I mm. mean, we got so many cool things from that. And now other shows and mediums with Star Wars are pulling that into the continuity. And now we have the world between worlds and the Night Sisters and all these amazing things that weren't there before, but now add to how wonderful the Star Wars universe more. is. Yeah. No, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well said. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's right now because like I love visions. Like Star, anybody watch Star Wars Visions, the animated? Right? Oh, Aren't they incredible? Yeah. yeah, there's no continuity there. I mean, half of them don't even like. It's like half Star Warsy. Like a lot of them aren't even don't necessarily, but they're great, and I love them. And you just you know forget about the other stuff for twenty minutes and enjoy this animated short, and it's incredible. Yet, on the flip side. The fact that Tartakovsky's Clone Wars are not considered canon just, just irks the hell out of me because they're so connected and there's zero reason to not have them connected because there's nothing in there that contradicts anything they're wanting to do. So it's, it's weird how, yeah, I can be so forgiving about this because, you know, that, but I think it's because of the intent. Like when things intended to be cool and something different. It's like Batman. Like how many different Batman stories are there? And you've probably done some that like don't like connect to like anything else, eh? Mm -hmm. 
right? I think the continuity though with Star Wars is just the Force itself. As long as the Force is there in some way, shape, and form, because even with Visions, you're seeing the Force in different a- in different aspects, but it's always there despite whatever that's animated short it is. So it's like that's the one constant thing that sticks out with Star Wars, which I absolutely love because I feel like you can't really mess it up then as long as like the Force is involved in some way, shape, and form. Right. And that whole balance of light and dark because that's the whole entire message I feel behind Star Wars a lot of time. 100%. That's the continuity right there is the light and dark balance and the Force. Mm-hmm. So yep. as long as that's there, Good it kind point. of feels like that's... Mm-hmm. The only thing that would kill me is if it turned out the continuity was Jar Jar. <laughs> Just ties yeah. Well, the new mystery. Although honestly, rising. honestly, I still love. There are some people who have played with this, and they they've even done it on some oh, yeah. shows, like on Robot Chicken, where they're saying, "What if Jar Jar was actually a Sith?" And that was he was just setting everything up, and I'm just. That's the only way I love the character. It's fantastic. Darth Jar Jar for the win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a good point. Uh, Ahsoka, amazing. Without spoiling too much, Megan, being the Ahsoka freak that you are, have you watched it? Yes. Uh Yeah. Yeah. The and other you've, night you've, of, yeah. you've enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing disappointing or. Nope. No? Not really. No. Just, that's I see. I think it's ninety-four percent on yeah. Rotten Tomato really? fan yeah. thing I got. Yeah. It's it's good. Yeah. Like I don't want to say anything because it's still so new, you know. But like. So everybody seen it? Yeah. Anybody not seen Ahsoka? Who's not seen Ahsoka? <laughs> Me. Oh wow, a bunch of you folks. Okay, see, I don't. Want what to are you swim. doing? <laughs> okay, I, I have reasons. So I was driving from New York. Hera is my favorite character. So okay. like, I know nothing of this right now. Yeah. All I know yeah. is that I'm mm-hmm. getting my girl in live action, and I'm happy about you are. this. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, the one character sitting in the front row, in particular, that uh, <laughs> my good friend Jody there is representing, Miss Mara Jade, <laughs> um, a character. Too unbelievably rich and awesome to not eventually be brought into the canon. I think she's kind of the last big one, and they're probably going to hold it for a bit. I don't know if they'll be able to make her Luke's wife um, because of the way the timeline works and everything, if they want her to be younger. But, you know, maybe they meet her, and she's like, oh, yeah, I used to know Luke, and then they just leave it, and now she's a new character, right? Like, mm. But, you know, what do you guys think? Are you, any theories on that? Like, uh, were you Mara Jade fans? Well, they were introduced by Jar Jar. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It's his fault for everything. (laughs) Oh, my God. Actually, funny enough, we were chatting the other night about this exact subject because on Ahsoka, there's a new character. There's an Inquisitor, and he's a masked Inquisitor. And now there's a whole bunch of new theories about who this individual could actually be. And, uh, yeah, we were talking about maybe it's a hand of the, you know, one of the hands. What if it's, because uh, they, even though his name is Merrick, I haven't heard he or she yet necessarily, you know. It could be a fairly androgynous being, you know. Imagine, like, it was Mara in there or something crazy. Mm-hmm. But it does, it opens up so many, you know, ways to kind of go with, with this, right? Does anybody have any thoughts on anything, like, to share or anything like that? All right, cool. Just want you to know. Yeah, what do you got? Yeah. You seem to have an opinion on that. Would you like to share? <laughs> I could go on about rebels forever, so I'm I'm apologizing in advance. 
I think the way that they rewrote it to include that in Bad Batch was actually very smart because not everybody actually goes and reads the comics. Not everybody goes and reads the books. And especially for kids, like, animation is a medium. It's not a genre, but kids love animation. So kids are obviously going to be watching these shows. So it's kind of easier for them to, I think, grasp onto to understand what's going on if they're not reading, like, the comics and everything. It was kind of like an easier foray of, like, this is how it connects to Rebels, and this is kind of how Kanan ended up where he is. So from that perspective, I thought it was good. From the perspective of somebody who loves Kanan more than anything, I was a little annoyed at first. (laughs) A little bit, because his comics are so rich in storytelling, and he has such an interesting backstory, even with the book where he meets Hera. There is so much backstory that people do not realize to how the two of them met, where I'm like... I know it kind of, it's so good. Like, he literally only hears her. And he's like, I am in love with you, ma'am. I'm like, I'm like, okay, he just set the uh, standard for all guys now. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, I love the, uh, I love when they layer things like uh, Darth Plagueis is a novel. Has anybody read Darth Plagueis? Yeah, right? Yeah. The last, the last third, it's about, you know, obviously it's about the rise of the emperor and the last third of the novel is taking place at the same time as Phantom Menace. And it fills out Phantom Menace into such an incredible story, you wouldn't even believe it. Like every little moment that you're not on screen on Phantom Menace it's telling you what's happening here with the Emperor, here with Jar Jar, here with whatever. And you get to see more than just like, you know, the obvious kind of inner workings of, you know, him taking over. You get to see way more in depth the plans and how he makes this and that work, right? And uh, I highly recommend that novel. But the way it filled out the movie, it's incredible how a book can do that, how different mediums can help each other. Because now when I watch Phantom Menace, there is so much more going on. Mm-hmm then I would have been thinking about had I not read that novel, right? Well, I think the same thing applies with, you guys probably read the ones with Rise of Skywalker. There was the comic series that was coming out before, and then the two prequel books that they had and the novelization. There was so much information that they left out. And Mm. I went into that movie, I'm like, man, I am glad I read these books because it can be a bit of a train wreck of a movie at times because they were trying to pack too much in. But like with that background information, like this story could have been so good. Like, it would have been, like, a four-hour movie, but I don't care. I'm like, it's Star Wars. Yeah. I'll, I'll sit for a four-hour movie because it's Star Wars. Nice. Yeah. No, no, I, I I wouldn't care either. And, in fact, that's one of the things that really ticks me off with some films where they have so much character building and background information and stuff, and it's just like, well, we got to edit for time, edit for time. And, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I may not always want to sit in the theater for for four hours, but if that's what's necessary to tell the story properly, then... Please, you know, either either do that or split it into two films or do something so we get the whole the whole story. They literally did that with Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. They split it into two parts yeah. to tell the full story. Mm-hmm. Because that and makes a lot money. more sense. I, and also more money yeah. for them. Yeah. <laughs> because that was one of the things that, uh, which one? Oh, now I remember. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to bounce back to Star Trek, but something exactly like that happened with the movie Star Trek Nemesis which, in my opinion, was absolute dreck. It was a terrible film. But uh, IDW released a comic book, uh, like a four-part prequel, and some background stuff. These are things, some of which were in the film, or they were going to be in the film, 
and it explains so much more. I mean, personally, I still think the movie wouldn't have been great, but it would have made so much more sense to include this this information. I'm like, well, where did this guy come from? Well, they explain it. Well, why are they doing this? Well, they explain that part. But instead, we're watching this film, and I'm just like, this is stupid. Just shoot him. You know? (laughs) (laughs) The logical way to solve a problem. Just shoot him. Yeah, I don't get it. Well, you know, Picard's like, well, I'm going to beam over there by myself and take on the crew and Sinjon, whatever. I'm like... No, this is the one time you should be going over there with an entire armada, okay? Because you're literally risking the lives of everyone on the Enterprise, everyone on Earth, and potentially everyone in the entire Federation. And you're like, I'm just going to go do this myself. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) Still a better movie than Insurrection, though. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. I could could barely get through Insurrection. No, no, I'm not saying Insurrection was good, but Nemesis was worse. The Trekkie fight has begun. Yes. Exactly. Only one way to solve this, lightsaber duel. Well, let me talk about... I'm going to talk about... There's lightsabers in here, lightsaber duel. There's always plenty around. Um, I'm going to address the dreadful thing. And I'm going to give my two takes on it, because my two cents on it, uh, because I've come solidified in this. It's been for the past few years. I've been back and forth because I listen to the arguments, you know? You got to listen to both sides. You can't be biased about anything, but I've... I've come to my final conclusions that The Last Jedi was wrong. And I know part of this comes out of the fact that I read 20 years of Luke Skywalker stories of him doing incredible things, sacrificing incredible things to bring back this order. I read about Luke Skywalker walking on lava to convince one dude to come be his student. Uh, Like... Like, just crazy, crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And to think that a guy who, at 18, 19, 20, whatever he was, stood in front of the the absolute most evil thing in existence and was able to deny it and was able to say no and was able to stand up for himself would, whatever, 40 years later, become terrified and actually light his lightsaber in the fear of a 15-year-old boy. I will never accept that that is ridiculous. And the debate can continue, and you can all have it, but I've come to the... Because I tried to be open. I tried to find the other perspectives, because I do. I try to want to find the positivity (laughs) in everything. But you... I'm sorry about this. Yes. And this... Well, this was our hero... From when we were wee little humans. This is what taught us what good and evil was. But you know what? I think it's a very valid thing. I agree with that. But at the same time, he's still a hero because not everybody's story is going to be perfect and they're going to make the right choices all of the time. No, no, no. Very much a human story. Everybody is going to make wrong choices. All right, you tell me about all the times that Superman made the wrong choice. Thank you. Okay, and off Thank you. Creative but thing. That, but do you see what I'm like? For us, for these heroes, no. We don't want them to be human. We want them to be our superheroes. We want them to be infallible. Well, we want them to be what we hope and dream and wish to be. But that's the same type of argument that people gave about Ray because they said, like, oh, she's just getting this right off the bat. Like, she's a Mary Sue. She's not going to make any problems. That's the whole point. It's a very human thing to make errors. When you're young and learning, 
Absolutely, but when but you're a wonder, grand Jedi master of wonder, 60 years, you're going to get scared of your little nephew talking shit? Is that what you're telling me? I'm sorry. When you did, stood against the Emperor. I'm sorry, in the prequels, did the Jedi Order not make plenty of plenty, mistakes? Plenty, mad amounts, I 100% And they were all Jedi masters. But they That's were also sorry. manipulated by the greatest yeah. evil in the universe that Luke then put down. So Luke defeated what the entire Jedi Order could not, yet he's scared of a 15-year-old punk? Mm. Is that what you're telling me? Except he was not scared of him. He was scared of what he was becoming or what he thought he was becoming. And didn't trust and then, himself and to train it out? Ah, but, but what he did was he, he didn't strike. He, he started, he, he, he yeah, lit I the saber. Thank and you. then he realized. Thank you. He realized, he, he actually said, he realized he was looking into the face of a scared boy. He recognized it. But, of course, by then, Ben turns around, sees this, and he freaks, which, understandable. He's a child. Exactly. Who would freak out at that? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that I mean, part. I'm sorry, if somebody's I'm, standing over your bed with exactly. a weapon to hurt you, exactly. you're going to be terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I mean, if, if, I, if someone was standing over me with a lightsaber holding, in the middle of night, I'm awake, I just, they, like... I just can't first, get over my him first, lighting my, it, My though. first reaction would be, holy crap, my second reaction would be, where did you get that? <laughs> nice because i just so don't cool. do it over him lighting i get the scene i get the motivation but the fact that like i want to see the struggle maybe like look at the lightsaber maybe look at him and be like like about to light it like struggle or something but to actually light the fucking thing and scare the shit out of him excuse my language is just it but that's just mind. one extra step i don't mind the idea of him lighting it um again he stopped he realized what he was doing was wrong. He realized he was blaming Ben for something that wasn't his fault, and Ben didn't really have any control over it. Not yet. And even later, he didn't really have as much. It was it was Snoke coming after him. It was the Emperor through Snoke coming after him. And then you also him. had the fact that in order to be completely level with what he was dealing with, he was a part of something yeah. in the force that had never really been seen before. Plus you the, get a dyad and you have to work right. together with them to control what you're Right. Plus the whole idea. Yeah, like, well, we're learn, yeah. We're, the dyad is a new thing we're learning about. Okay? <laughs> well, plus, this is something we're trying to figure out. Well, plus the whole idea of the... of Like like you were saying before, there are things... Okay, uh, sorry. Uh, just to say, there is one thing that I am far more willing to go with this, with the Luke thing. There is something worse. And, and I don't want to see where... I'm not trying to be negative again. But... I never saw force teleportation coming. When the lightsaber goes from Ray's hand and then ends up in Kylo's hand, in I, it's cool, but like, really, did we have to go to space force teleportation? Did we have to go that, that part? Far? That part bothered me, but on the other hand, when you say this is not something we've seen before, I'm not. Yeah, well, you're, you're right. We're always going to encounter stuff we haven't seen. But it, before I mean, it doesn't fit the universe. It feels. Yeah, you know, I know. that's a Star Trek thing. Beaming shit. Star Wars is it doesn't, beaming shit. It doesn't make sense, but from the fact of that, they're that dyad and the Force, and that hadn't been seen before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's something that you don't see outside too. of the two of them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if they explore yeah. that in the future, yeah. Plus, these are characters that are having. If not more control of the Force, they are certainly having a stronger connection with the Force than many previous characters, including possibly Luke. I mean, who knows how much more powerful Kylo could have become if he hadn't died. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, but uh, yeah. if, 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 and how much more powerful is Rey going to become? 
I mean, you I'm excited be- to you, find you out, mentioned yeah. before about Luke being able to do all these crazy things in various stories. One of the things I remember in one of the in one of the Dark Horse comics was Luke standing up like it, it was like a like an Empire Strikes Back. He takes out an AT-AT by, you know, stringing up a rope, zip up there, pops in a bomb and blows it up and, he, you know, whatever. But then there was a scene in one of the comics where he doesn't even do that. He's just standing there. He just holds his hand out and the whole AT-AT just that's it and uh you know i could see something like that uh happening with ray but but getting back to some of the stuff you were talking about with the jedi order and how they screwed up things one of the things that i never understood it always stuck out to me was in um empire strikes back when luke first meets yoda Yoda's not going to teach him at least not at first he says he's too old and i go oh okay i guess they maybe they start when they're like tweens or something like that then you get to um phantom menace and they say well we're not going to teach anakin he's too old and i'm going like he's 10 how old do you take and then we find out they basically take these kids when they're like infants and toddlers take them away from their families and that's how they teach i'm going that's kind of screwed up. Yeah. You know, I mean, technically kidnapping at the yeah, same time. Exactly. Yeah. Which is something that uh, got addressed in the, which is, okay, my favorite Star Wars stories thing ever is the New Jedi Order. I don't know if you read the book series of the New Jedi Order. It's where a lot of the new stuff was based on that came out of, uh, but the kids' situation is a little bit different. But like you were saying before, uh, Han and Leia have one kid. They have three kids. They have Jason and Jaina Solo, who are twins, and then they have a younger Anakin, Anakin Solo. There's a point in the story, um, kind of spoiling it for you, but uh, Anakin sacrifices himself, but when he does, he basically becomes like one with the Force, and he turns into this like epic, glowing, just yellow ball of fucking light, and, <laughs> and like just in, like engulfs all the bad guys, and like everything gets destroyed, and like totally cool. So read that series, uh, kids. We're yeah. out of time, but this is the show. <laughs> this is an elegant weapon every week or so. Getting together with fine folks like this and talking about the stuff here. we love, okay. getting fired up and having a good time. Uh, it's available on Amazon. It's available on iTunes. It's available on Spotify. Uh, uh, AnElegantWeapon.ca. It's pretty much in every podcast platform that is out there. So if you want to check it out, very, very cool. Uh, but thank you so much to my guests, Leonard Kirk, Megan Huang, and Aaron Leffler. I'm going to go over to the room next door, and I'm going to have a conversation with Mr. Zeb Wells, if anybody would like to join me. So that's going to be fun indeed. But thank you all very, very much for coming. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all we are going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon. Pecoris. I honestly just have no idea.